Ever heard of the mobile home industrial complex? Probably not. But Sonia Salomon and Catherine McTavish believe it's a real thing and it causes considerable difficulty to many of the more than 12 million people who live in America's trailer parks. What this unheard of industrial complex does to people and how it affects their lives is something these two professors of human development have been considering. Welcome to 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast. I'm Martin Beanie. Sonia Salomon and Catherine McTavish are the authors of Single Wide, Chasing the American Dream in a Rural Trailer Park. Salomon is Professor Emerita of Human Development and Family Studies at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And McTavish is Associate Professor of Human Development and Family Science at Oregon State University. They join me today to discuss their new book and the implications and realities of trailer park life in this country. Well, welcome, Sonia and Kate. Thank you for joining us. Good to be here, Martin. Yes, good to talk about our book. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to feel good. You know, you get to the end of the process of putting the book together, and now you just get to talk about it, right? You don't have to do the research anymore or the writing. You just get to talk and talk and talk about it. (laughs) Yes. So I'm really curious... uh, I, I'm not an expert in this field, obviously, but I'm really curious about this idea, uh, at least to me, I, trailer parks seem very, um, you know, uh, not home to the classic uh, idea of the American dream, right? They don't seem to be intrinsically related. Uh, and yet the subtitle to your book would, would maybe push us in that direction. Uh, so what what's the meaning behind it? said there it was just such a um, shared optimism that we ran into well so while we hear people talk about the American dream as being dead uh, I would say certainly the opportunities to realize that dream have been diminished but for the families that we studied that dream or the notion of hoping optimistically was really um, very much alive so we thought that the subtitle of the book reflected that optimistic hoping and I, I, I wanted to add that it was pretty uniform as well. It was one that everybody held uh, in the young families that we studied. So what is it that has made us view mobile homes? Uh, maybe it isn't actually the mobile home. Maybe it's the trailer park rather than the individual unit. But what is it that has right. made us think of them as not the American dream? Well, I think some of that, Martin, probably comes out of the history of parks uh, and the notion that parks parks were so um, viewed as such a transient form of housing when they were initially um, developing in the United States. So post-World War II, we saw with the housing shortage a real rise in um, 
in folks who were living in manufactured housing and parks became a, kind of an instant solution to meeting the, the needs of housing a population. After we saw um, development of, in the suburbs and the expansion of the availability of conventionally built housing, uh, other scholars have documented the drain that happened then on uh, mobile home parks where those who could manage to move out and purchase a conventionally constructed home did, leaving behind a population that in many cases reflected a community's um, poorer, less well-educated um, segment of, of their population. So I think in that way, it became viewed as a place that was somehow lesser housing, even though for the families who were in that situation, it was in many cases a very hard one status, buying a home in a park and living there. And we um, quite specifically looked at families who owned their homes in the trailer parks and who considered themselves above um, those who rent trailers and rent a site uh, because because of this home ownership. But the, the rental trailer parks, I think, uh, have shaped pe other people's wider perceptions of, of all trailer parks, and it's not true. Uh, there, there's a very great difference, and uh, we found that the people were quite proud of, of having achieved uh, perhaps being the first homeowners in their families. Right, yeah. Um, so this this sort of links to a question that I had shared with you guys beforehand about the, the what you describe as the mobile home industrial complex. Is, I, I confess that, that that concept is new. To, so is that, um, in a sense, you know, you talk about the history of parks and the, the, the massive shortage of housing post-World War II. Did, did this industrial complex sort of develop as a result of it? And, and, and what is it, just more generally? Well, it's a term we coined uh, to, to describe uh, well into what we did. It was really in the analysis stage when we realized that, that all of the various entrepreneurs that people have to deal with when they buy a house and when they rent a site in a trailer park are interlinked. And some of them, of course, the largest uh, manufacturers, financiers, and trailer park owners are, are uh, vertically integrated. So that, that that integration of the various kinds of markets, and we're talking about production, marketing, financing, and then the trailer park rentals uh, themselves are, are, are what um, we're trying to express with this term we, we coined, that they're not necessarily separate entities, but the markets are, are, are interlocked. And at each level, <laughs> the people who are buying mobile homes uh, are potentially exploited. They, they, they're highly profitable for the entrepreneurs. And there's a, a sense that we make the argument that they become entrapped uh, financially um, once they they first buy a mobile home. Uh, yeah, I think, I think what I would add, Martin, is that, um, as Sonia indicated, it took us a while um, – revisiting our data to really sort of put together this notion of the mobile home industrial complex. And um, I, I think equally um, important is the fact that for the individuals who are, who are 
as we shall entrap in this system, um, their, their awareness of what is actually happening within the world of financing homes and within the world of manufacturing, dealing, and, and um, the wider world of park ownership um, is really outside their view. And, and it, I think maybe if they had a wider view, they wouldn't necessarily become entrapped in the way that they do in indebtedness uh, and, and, and ultimately making it very difficult to get out of a trailer park once you make that kind of commitment of necessity. I just wanted to stop and take a moment to say that if you're headed to the American Anthropological Association Conference in Washington, D.C. later this month, be sure to stop by at the Cornell booth and say hello. We'll have free samplers of forthcoming books, free exam copies, and discounted books galore. So are there, um, as a result of what you've discovered that, that led to this idea of the mobile home industrial complex, are there, are there corporations out there that sort of like the Rockefellers and Vanderbilts? And, you know, is there a monopolization aspect here? That's tricky. Uh, Warren Buffett's um, Berkshire Hathaway has uh, in the early around 2003 uh, purchased the largest uh, provider vertically integrated uh, Clayton Homes. But the people that we studied didn't really deal with that big system. They they seem because it's rural they. They seem to, to deal with local dealers uh, of mobile homes at, who are in all likelihood uh, were involved in financing their purchase as well. So it's, it, it's, I don't want to say there's a dual market, but there is this large, there are some very, very large enterprises, and we're talking about um, not the kinds of family um, mobile home parks, but, but, but entrepreneurs who who have rights, R-E-I-T. Kate, do you remember what that stood for? Real Estate Investment Trust. Right. Right. Uh, Who own tens of thousands of mobile home parks uh, across the country. There's one, I can't remember the name, the one from out of Chicago uh, coming to mind particularly. But our rural home parks uh, weren't necessarily involved with that market. <laughs> so, you know, I obviously grew up in, not in the US, and, uh, you know, there's this sort of very romantic image in parts of Europe, particularly in England, perhaps, of the, the roaming gypsies who uh, gather together right. and, and, and create a little temporary enclave, if you like, of essentially mobile of homes. Caravans, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yet, even though that exists, and I think it exists in many places in Europe and probably other parts of the world, even though that's the case, trailer parks, at least to me, seem as though they're incredibly distinctly American. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? I, I did think about it. Uh, having lived in both Germany and France, um, I, I, I realized that, that land is not as much available <laughs> And, and highly regulated in both places. And, and you, in the U.S., we have an abundance of land. And, of course, we're talking about rural trailer parks where there are far less strictures on land use in rural places than urban places. And that avail, the availability of land and the less 
uh, regulated areas of rural America have, I, I think, contributed to uh, the proliferation here of, of trailer parks and not elsewhere. I do, Martin, and um, I think that as we think about the, just sort of this American dream and the notion of owning a standalone home um, it, as being such a strong part of that dream, uh, you know, we have home ownership rates in the United States that exceed what we find in other areas, um, and certainly that value of having the standalone as a piece of that. And, and a mobile home in a park allows people to approximate that dream. Is it and have the same appeal in other other parts of the world where someone would have the option of, of um, you know a different kind of dwelling absolutely yeah I think you know it, it, it's interesting Sonia you brought up the examples of like France and Germany and a lot of places in Western yeah. Europe now I mean the the ratio of rental to ownership of homes is you know the, the very the, high exactly yeah far more renting mm-hmm. than we would see in the states yeah interesting right yeah, um, I have I have one more question, and it came to me as as you were talking about sort of the history uh, of of all of this, and and where the various types of trailer parks kind of fit in. And I'm really curious, uh, you know, you see now, um, and this is not this is not new; it's been developing for a few years now in, in sort of the retirement community states, and, and by that I mean sort of Florida and and Arizona in particular. Um, right. These very middle class, almost sort of, um, almost more than middle class, uh, mobile home complexes where people, you know, they purchase a space in in a in a trailer park um, to have their their winter home. When I think many of them probably would have spent their much of their uh, working career trying to avoid being in a trailer park. That's right. For this migratory, uh, um, seasonal migration, I think that's true, and we did we didn't feel that any stigma existed for retirement communities in the way that our young families living it in trailer parks, hmm. um, not in retirement areas, uh, experience. It's a very different different uh, mindset, I think, for the nation Yeah, I just had a communication with a woman who um, had seen the City Lab piece and then wrote to me to let me know that that was very much not her experience. And we had a couple of email exchanges, and her observation was really that um, in looking at families who were still on their way up, that the experience of living in the park was defined as very differently than for her, who had stepped into mobile home park residence as a way of reducing her costs as she nears retirement. So I, th- I think that really reinforces. Also, I think the, the um, older residents that we had a chance to interview in our survey portion of the study really um, expressed um, feeling very different about the park than the way in which the families felt. Um, for them, they really enjoyed the comfort of being able to just kind of close their door and go off to their to their uh, seasonal location. Uh, sometimes they were farmers in Illinois who had um, appreciated the fact that they were able to downsize and not have to take care of that whole big house and the, and the land. I think that's crucial, that it's easier for them to take care of the smaller house than, and a little bit of land around it rather than a, a full-blown full house and, and a larger lot. Hmm. We really did see a difference in a sense of community within the, um, the sections of the park that housed the, the over 55 crowd as well. People were much more connected to each other.
Fascinating. This has been this has been truly fascinating. I think it's a great uh, introduction to to the subject and your and your book in particular. And I want to thank both of you for taking uh, a little time to do that. Well, thank you, Martin. It was nice experience. Thanks. <laughs> that was Sonia Salomon and Catherine McTavish, authors of Single Wide: Chasing the American Dream in a Rural Trailer Park. You can find their book through your favorite bookseller on your campus or online. And if you'd like to get 30% off of this book, visit cornellpress.cornell.edu and enter 09POD at checkout. You've been listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast. 